How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. Hey there, welcome back to the show. I'm Brad Costanzo, your host of Bacon Wrap Business. And if this is your first time listening, or in this case, watching the video episode of this, then I welcome all the new subscribers and listeners. Cannot wait to share with you the stuff that's on this episode today. One of the really, really cool things about um, about today's episode is I'm actually interviewing the founder of Clarity.fm. His name's Dan Martell. And once more, I've been a fan of the service that he built, the software as a service, which is really a, a, a place where experts go to gather to give advice for years. And it was uh, a, a real blessing to get to meet Dan about four months ago at a party here in San Diego. And we got to kind of talking and then we decided to do this interview together because I really wanted to get in there and pick his brain about some of the challenges that and, and successes that he's gone through as he's built, I think he's built five businesses alone or you know, with his team right now. And I believe he said two or three of them failed and two or three of them were you know, wild successes. In fact, I believe he sold three of his businesses. The most recent one, just a few months ago, being, well, Clarity.fm. And although he's still very closely involved with them, he's moving on to some new ventures. And that's one of the things we're gonna talk about today. But when I get somebody like Dan on, who is uh, angel-funded like 30 different companies, he's originally from Canada and that, not that that matters. It's just everywhere I see Dan's uh, profile and his bio, he's always like Canadian entrepreneur. Like that really matters. Bottom line, he's an entrepreneur and he's a great entrepreneur. And he's somebody we can all learn from, especially when you hear his struggles and when you hear how he started. For instance, you may not know this, but you will soon. He was in jail when he was a kid. He was a juvenile delinquent. And that's where he learned to code. And he came out of this and he built multiple multi-million dollar businesses. And what was really cool, as I am actually recording this part of the interview prior, like after I've already done the interview, is that I know what we talked about. So a couple of the things you're going to learn is the mindset that went into creating these, like where the spark of inspiration came, what he did when he didn't know you know, where else to turn, and what his philosophy on the type of business you should be building, how he feels about that after the exit moment that a lot of us entrepreneurs really would love, you know, to exit a business for, you know, seven, eight, nine figures and what's next. But then we're also going to talk about what's next. And I'm going to pick Dan's brain for some really cool bacon wrapped strategies. These are the strategies and tactics that these, you know, these folks don't like to tell everybody, but I'm going to force him to tell me this one. And I already heard it as the time of this uh, intro here. And I can tell you it is awesome. And it is so awesome that it is going to change the way that I start to deliver information once I kind of really wrap my mind around this. So if you are in any way, shape, or form in the advice industry, or you know what, that scrap that. That's where it's going to be most applicable. But if you're selling anything at all, then you're going to really want to pay attention to the advice that Dan gives. And he even said, man, people don't usually get this out of me. It's something really big, but 
I want you to hear it because I think it'll help you as well. Now, before we get going over there, I want to let you know that I did have to edit the audio and the video a little bit because Dan is up in Canada and he is in like north of Maine, Nova Scotia area, I guess. And I'm in San Diego. And I don't know if it was the internet or whatever, but we had a couple of little technical issues. I'm going to try to edit those out and present to you the best of this episode, sorry, episizzle of Bacon Wrapped Business featuring Dan Martell, founder of Clarity, founder of Flowtown, founder of a lot of companies. So without any further ado, let's try to jump over here and talk to Dan. Okay, Dan, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business. How are you, buddy? You're I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, it's good to see you again. I mean, as I said, the last time we hung out was in February here in San Diego, and you've since went about as far away as you can get. You're, you said you're where in Pretty Canada? Much. Near yeah, New Brunswick? I'm in, I'm in New Brunswick. Yeah, I call it the top hat of Maine, right? <laughs> so you've got Maine, and then you got this province of New Brunswick, yeah. uh, which is really, it's on the ocean, so I'm still close to the that's water, cool. but... Uh, Night and day difference from San Diego, that's for sure. You know, the, the water temperature is still probably about the same, though. It's freezing when you get in the water out here. warmer here. We actually have this really neat part of the world where we have uh, another province called Prince Edward Island. Yeah. And it's uh, the warmest water north of Virginia. So really? the Pacific is crazy cold. Yeah. Like, I mean, I yeah. went surfing there in San Diego. Um, yeah, we're lucky we get it warm. But, I mean, for six weeks out of the summer, the rest of the year, it's frozen. So, But we didn't get on here to talk about... Um, surfing and beaches, although I could all day. Um, one of the things I think is really cool to have you on the show for is because several years ago I, I found Clarity.fm, which was was your company. You've you know, since sold it, which is great. But um, I loved it. I was an evangelist for it. I was telling everybody that you guys need to go out and jump on this thing right now. I mean, even for one of the, the smallest reasons, just personal, like to have a profile up there, is it was great for personal branding and SEO. I put my thing up there, and after like maybe a, two weeks, it was like number three or number four for my name. And it's just a great Good. way to put yourself out there. Like, hey, look, this guy's actually an expert in all this stuff, and he he's charging money, so he must be good. And it was just really neat. And then I found a lot of people had discovered me. So when did you start? Before I go into the clarity, why don't we're not going to talk a lot about this because I want to talk about what you're doing right now. But I think it's really important for people to understand what you built just prior to this because it really leads into what you're working on right now. So explain clarity in a nutshell. Yeah. So I mean, I'll, I'll go back. I'll, I'll give you the quick thirty seconds. Yeah. So my, my personal story is, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I had a really colorful childhood, really challenging environment. Uh, you know, I got put into group homes, foster homes at a young age. Oh, oh I read about that. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, no, and and you know, it was through going through that challenge and kind of, you know, I mean, it got really bad. Ended up in jail a couple times. Went to rehab at seventeen years old. All those parking tickets, right? It was parking tickets. Yeah, parking tickets. That's exactly what it was. Um, but it was in rehab where I discovered programming, this book on Java programming, and then the internet when I got out. And you know, it just changed my life. And it probably saved my life because it gave me something to focus on that was obviously not illegal that I, that I really felt passionate and excited about. And I, you know, I've been just super fortunate and blessed to have gone on to build five companies since then, one of them being Clarity. Mm -hmm. I raised money for Mark Cuban. Last year, I got to spend a week with Richard Branson at his house in Switzerland. And uh, I, it's really crazy to even think, again, I come from a small town of 80,000 people in the middle of nowheres to having these opportunities and, and, and kind of experiences. And um, I just feel, feel really lucky. And that, that was 
really the inspiration for Clarity. And Clarity is a marketplace for entrepreneurs to get advice from other entrepreneurs over the phone to grow their dreams and uh, hit their goals. And um, that's what we did. We, we uh, raised 1.6 million in funding. We grew it to 50,000 experts within two years. 300,000 calls, uh, recently got acquired uh, by a great company called Startups.co, which is now the largest startup community in the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it really allowed me to fulfill that passion and mission, which was a lesson I learned when I was 17, when I was in rehab. The reason why this place worked for me was all the staff were ex-drug addicts, right? So they had a philosophy, yeah, they had a philosophy that unless you've been in that hole and you've tried to climb out, it was really hard for you to kind of just scream down telling the people the kind of different places put your hands and your feet to get out of it if you've never done it yourself, right? And, and for me, that really resonated. And when it came to business, that same philosophy of getting advice from people that have been through it before, that have had the success that you admire is the right way to get advice. And that's, that's why we built Clarity is kind of, I was living in San Francisco at the time and there was just an abundance of amazing knowledge and experience. And I thought, what would happen if you could unlock all this uh, advice and experience and knowledge and make it available for the rest of the world for people that need it most and that's what we did yeah and that's what I thought was really remarkable and there's um, one of the hardest things in the in the past has been how do I get connected with people who can help me out and there really was no I mean you had to be really really crafty in order to do that I mean actually one of the best things I've ever done is start a podcast like this because it allows me to connect with individuals like you with like other people so that I can get on there and talk to them when uh, the clarity marketplace came up you kind of realize that yeah there are people out there they're willing to help they're willing to give a hand and most successful people like to give advice especially if people are paying for it if they're demonstrating that they really want it and it's not just hey can I pick your brain and um, which is the worst well, that's thing. That's the unfortunate part. I mean, the truth is, is people that have that have gotten success, like myself, like we know we're only there because of a thousand other people that spent the 15 minutes to an hour time teaching us and sharing with us and supporting us and lifting us up. And like, you know, the unfortunate part is it's without the monetary friction or filter, it's really hard to decipher if somebody truly needs you and your advice at that moment versus somebody that's got an ulterior motive, like they're trying to sell you something or they want to pitch you as an investor mm-hmm. or they want to get an introduction to somebody you know in your network or whatever it is. So, um, you know, we, we never figured out a way to do it through other means, although there were some really creative ideas we came up with using kind of social networks and graphs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the money one was a no-brainer and it turned out to be a really great way for, for people to also raise money for their charities of their choice, which was a big piece of, the, of clarity in our mission in life. and. Uh, and um, and just allow people to make extra income to do what they love to do, which is give advice to other people. And, and still, and what was neat is it unlocked a whole new segment of people. So like a lot of Clarity members were not full-time consultants or experts. They mm-hmm. were entrepreneurs yep. that felt like this is a great tool for them to make themselves available without distracting them from their primary business. That's how I use it. I, I put my Clarity profile on there before I was an official consultant. Because I thought, hey, it was, a, it was a great place to be. What what gave you the initial idea? What was that spark idea that said, hmm, I think I've got something here? Yeah, so I mean, the way I've, I've built all my companies has always been solving a problem that I've had myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like just first order filter. And, and what happened is after I sold my last company, Flowtown, in 2011, I got an influx of emails from people asking to pick my brain or have coffee or what it is. And it's probably the Canadian in me that just can't, like I reply to every email. If you've ever emailed me. Hey, you Canadians like, are I, so nice. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, I it's guess in your blood. we're just so grateful. Like, yeah. you know, we're just, we just, 
it's kind of like this ah shucks like I can't believe we get to do this. So so you don't forget where you came from. So I, I, I wanted to reply and engage in all these people, but there's just there was no way. There was like 150 plus emails of people who wanted to get together in person. So what I did as a developer, you know, I write code. I sat down and I built this really simple call app. It was uh, it was a link with a form, and you could put your name and number and the reason you wanted for the call. It would queue up all the requests, and then whenever I was free, it would try to call them back. It would proxy my cell number, so it would use this one eight hundred number, call both parties, and if they were free, it would connect us, and if they weren't free, it would just call the next person. And it was cool because it would tell me who. So it'd be like calling Brad to talk about his new podcast. And it would tell me that before it called him. Yep. And then when it would be like connecting Brad, then it'd be like, hey man, you want to talk about your podcast? And it was really this really neat kind of almost like call system. Mm -hmm. And one, you know, I had it for probably about six weeks. I kind of plowed through all those email requests to pick my brain. And one night I decided to go to the roof of my house and tweet it out to my Twitter followers. Because prior to that, I was just using it privately in email. And I went to the roof and I tweeted out and I just said, if you need startup advice, uh, book, like schedule me here. And I spent three hours talking to like 20 entrepreneurs all over the world. One of the things I read that you had said in some of your uh, either blog posts or podcasts, the stuff I was doing my pre-research on you is that, you know, when you did sell your company, one of the big realizations that you had was, you know, hey, like you probably retire if you want. Right? But crap, I'm bored or I'm just not it, – it's not all about the exit and once you get done, especially when you're young and you've got a lot of creative energy. So what was the biggest – you know what was the biggest epiphany that you had when that happened because i know there's a lot of folks out there a lot of startups and uh, founders and people who are the end all be all the nirvana for them is to get that exit so they don't have to hustle or at least they think that what was the biggest epiphany you had when you you know sold yeah, well, everything yeah i mean i was I was 28 at the time that uh, my third company, Spirit, got acquired. Um, it was like May, so summer was around the corner. I decided to buy a hot tub, a wakeboarding boat, and a cottage. And I thought, what more could you need? You know, like I was you know, hey. a pretty young guy. And I had probably to this day one of the best summers of my life. You yep. know, a lot of, a lot of uh, fun excursions. But, you know, pretty much come August when everybody was done through their vacations and people started going back to university or back to their jobs. I, I just thought like it was probably the most unproductive last four or five months of my life as well. And I'm like, you know, obviously I'm capable of for like solving problems and creating value. Like I, I accomplished something I never personally even thought I could do, let alone other people. You know, we had won all these awards and I got recognized as the uh, top entrepreneur in the province and eventually in Canada. So it was just, it was just a, a thing about like, you know, especially going through what I did in my younger teenage years, mm -hmm. like I didn't want to waste my life, right? And I think that's where the original hustle came to kind of create a business. But then it was like, okay, once I got to this point where financially I didn't need to work, I also had to ask myself, it's like, oh, but am I just going to waste my days by not having impact? And, and there's actually a great quote, John Asraf, who's a native San Diego yeah, no, guy, like I finally got to meet. So this is so funny because like, 2008, his quote, never met him before, read it in some book that said, ask not if you're worthy of your goals, ask instead, are your goals worthy of your life? Uh, I like that. That quote set me on a mission to buy a plane ticket, right move to San Francisco. Yeah, that one's, that one's a keeper. And, and, and take a stab at what I always admired was building a software technology company in the heart of where the smartest people in the world, you know, come together to do that, right?
and 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 be, me being from this small town and yeah maybe financially i was okay but like you know i was really a small fish in a or a big fish in a small pond like taking myself out of that scenario and going to a city where i didn't know anybody i didn't know one person and seeing if any of my crazy ideas would hold water or i'm here <laughs> yeah it's like hey i got some ideas let's see if it works um that's great that was that quote really set me on fire to to try it out and um you know, it was pretty cool. You know, after I, I started a company called Flowtown, three years later, we, we ended up raising money, sold that company. And it was while doing Clarity, when I raised my round of funding, I actually got them to wire the money to my hometown because I built Clarity out of Canada. And that, that was the plan. Like, never thought it would work. But if you ask me, like, why are you moving to San Francisco? I was like, someday I'm going to go learn and I'm going to bring everything I learned back to this small town of people and, and teach all these younger kids that were like me that didn't have any kind of people building technology companies around them. And I remember the day my one of my investors asked me, they're like, where is Monk Tong? And why am I wiring my money there? And I'm like, hey man, this is just, this is part of the deal, man. I want to build my company there. There's a lot of reasons for that. And uh, and that was a really neat five years after the fact came full circle. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and and that's the thing is the the whole concept of the serial entrepreneur and people who start, sell, start, sell, etc. Um, there is no real end game for people like us because I think that when you get when you have the the drive and the skills necessary to build something of value and especially to build something of immense value, then you're done. You don't lose those skills. You don't lose that drive and ambition. You don't lose because it's never really about the money. It's always well. About- this is this is the thing about retiring, right? Yeah. What I do every day, what I did for my whole life is who I am. It's yep. an extension of who I am. You can't keep me away from doing what I do because I absolutely love to do it. So it's like, you know, I just find the whole idea of not getting up and creating the most boring, meaningless life. And that's just not what I lived in. I don't think that's why I was given a second chance to do. And I just can't do it to myself or my family. And I'm not happy. I mean, you read the blog post I recently wrote, like, I took six months off recently. I was going to take a year off. I lasted six months and realized I am not happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's – I've experienced that. I know exactly where you're coming from. You said something like, I'm not an expert because I think I am. I'm an expert because I know I'm a student. Yeah. I mean that was the thing that actually got tweeted out a lot, right? Really? It's, I don't think I'm an expert is I know I'm a student. Yes. That's it. I don't think I'd be, I'm an expert. I know I'm a student. Being a student, constant student, has been one of the big, biggest, best things I've ever done for my own success. So how, does, how has that really affected you? What are you constantly – what are you learning right now? What are you really excited about? So, you know, it's kind of one of those things like somebody asked me today, they go, you seem like a guy that makes decisions fast, Mm -hmm. right? And and that's true. But they go, do you always like, are you always like that? And it it took me back because I'm like, I had to think about kind of my thinking framework. And here's here's the way I am is long term strategy and like starting a company. It takes me a while and a while could be three months, right? Like to some people that seems fast, but to me that's slow. Mm -hmm. So I'll take three months to kind of go through. This decision took me six months, right? Um, but once I decide, I'm full on, yeah. like like possessed, right? Like consume, like screw anything else in my life. Obviously, my family yeah. is still important, but like social events and all this other stuff. 
So because I wrote that post Thursday last week, I've just been on a tear. And, I, and, and really it's just dissecting this industry, right? Some people call it the expert industry, some people call it online marketing, media, media companies, online education, content creation, whatever you wanna call it. Mm -hmm. um, just becoming a student of that industry and trying to make a list of all the strategies I'm gonna have to figure out, plus all the content I'm gonna have to create and, and really figure out how can I have the most impact as possible. So what I've been learning a lot lately is like crazy stuff like how do you conduct a three-day seminar, yeah. right? Like how do you get in front of a group of people, keep the energy high, transfer knowledge, teach adult education? Like I'm not a formal teacher. I've never taught anything, right? Mm -hmm. I build companies. Mm -hmm. And like now I have to think about how do you create frameworks and design uh, content and, and, um, and ensure that things are landing and sticking and being able to, for the, the people hearing it to teach it to other people. All, and then writing, right? Like someday I've got to write a book. So like make discipline every day. I write, you know, 1500 words every day. It's like, just get them done. And a lot of that turns into blog posts or stuff I'll keep for later. But you know, like I'm really in this really amazing creative space and it's just been super fun, but it's all new to me, right? And I think that's yeah. why you reached out because you read the blog, you said like, hey Dan, we should reconnect, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to, you know, talk to you about what I've, what I've learned because you've been doing this for a while. For me, it's really about just, um, finding the pieces that resonates with me and kind of putting them together. But this is no different than how I build any company, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the solve your own problem. So for me, I write content from things that I've experienced and, and challenges I've had around business and, and marketing and fundraising and you know software and that kind of stuff. And then, and then get inspired from people and say, well, this part really feels good and I'm gonna emulate that or model that and, and you know, for other parts. So I've learned from everybody. I mean, there's, I probably been fortunate enough for the last six months to meet like 150 people in the industry and some people doing eight figures and some people just, you know, still struggling, but each one had something to teach me. It's been really fun. That's awesome. So in any of your businesses, what is maybe a few of the really cool things that you've done to provide a ton of leverage? Here's the thing is I'm going to tell you it and it doesn't sound exciting, but it is the most invaluable thing that I do every day. There's been two books that I know have been written about this concept. One's called The Slight Edge. The other one's called The Compound Effect. Yep. I've heard of both. Haven't um, read either. I think they're yeah. both in my Kindle well, on deck. <laughs> I will read them. Well, start with either one. They kind of talk about the same concept, but the idea is what are some success principles or some daily habits that you're going to do that will over time add to your success, right? So, you know, as an example, one of those things I do personally is I read 10 pages of a book every day. It's a non-negotiable. It happens no matter what. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for 15 years. It's just part of my my approach um, from a business point of view. Once a week, I organize a founder's lunch or a founder's dinner where I invite at least four or five other people to, to have lunch. I actually just had one today at my house. Okay. And, uh, and we just get together with other entrepreneurs. Um, another one is I, every day I work on marketing for 30 minutes and that, you know, there's always bigger initiatives and projects, but I'll always spend 30 minutes understanding source of traffic, conversions, messages, um, making sure things are wired up and, and proper. Mm -hmm. And again, it's 30 minutes every day for three or four or five years is how you end up building eight figure businesses, right? Right. But doing it once a month when things are broken or things aren't working out, I don't think that's how it works. Like, you know, and, and for me, I've decided these, these habits have to be something I'm willing to do for the rest of my life, right? Yeah. So regardless of what I'm working on, I have my personal blog that's kind of my outlet when I don't have an active business, mm -hmm. but 30 minutes every day, regardless if I have a business or not, is spent on understanding how the traffic's coming to my blog, converting my newsletter, whatever it is. 
Yeah, that's great. You know, I was listening to another friend of mine named Michael Burnoff. And I don't know if you know Michael or know of him, but... Um, Heard his name, yeah. Great guy, another expert. He was talking about, and I think this has been said elsewhere, but, you know, if you just improve 1% a day, he, he'll ask crowds, you know, how great will you be in a year? And they'll say, well, 365% better. He's like, no, 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 no. It's a compounding effect, exactly like that. So, you know, you're improving 1% over day two, it starts to like 10,000. It's yeah, it's crazy. And that really that stuff like that resonates with me because that's a, something tangible that I can hold on to. And I like that you said that because it's it's important. I've got my little whiteboard, you can't see it over here, but I've got my little my daily things that I absolutely will do. I I write a little bit every day. I will, you know, work out. I'll do a handful of things and I just mark my little every week. I just do my little, you know, seven little things to make sure I do it. What are you what are you terrible at in business? Like, what is the bane of your existence? Every one of us has something we hate, whether it's spreadsheets or whether it's yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's very traditional entrepreneurship stuff. So, I mean, yeah. so I don't, but I, I guess what might be useful to the audience is the way I've dealt with those, right? Okay. So, like, I, to this day, have never created an invoice. Okay. Never. All the financial. Never, I have no need to create invoices or follow up on receivables when I can just build systems to have other people do that way funner. I mean, I try to hire people that work at the things or play at the things I work. Right? Yeah. So at a very young age, when I was 24, I hired a woman named Sandy. She still works for me today. She's worked in every one of my companies and she is that person, right? I read the four hour week work, work week and I went nuts. I implemented it all. So I've never touched mail. I hate paper. Oh, I'm yeah. a software guy, so that makes sense. So every week I get uh, emails with all of my different mailboxes and corporations and business interests. I just don't do anything that my, my filter is if it doesn't, if it's not creating value for the world using my unique gift or spending time with my family and friends and relationships, I don't do it. Yeah. I don't mow my lawn. I don't clean my car. I don't do my groceries. I don't cook my food. I don't, I don't do shit. And I'm okay with that. And a lot of people that don't know me very well, they think I'm arrogant because I'm like, but here's the way I look at it. If you catch me or if I catch myself doing that, that means I don't respect myself. And yeah. it bugs me. If I ever catch myself in a position where I'm doing something that is not the highest use of my time and what I know and my abilities, and I could have been doing that, I feel like I've done a disservice to the people that I serve, to my family, to my employees, to my investors or whatever, whoever those people are, because I know better. And yeah. now that I've told your audience, they know better. That's right. You know, I've struggled with that for years, and I think it's because, like, I'm much more naturally exactly like yourself. Like, I don't, there's certain things I don't want to do. I was raised, like, my dad is the guy, the exact opposite. Like, why hire it done if you can That's do it my yourself? Dad. Right? And it was, like, that was instilled in me. Like, why would I pay somebody to mow the lawn when I. I can go I'm out there and just do it on Saturday. Capable of mowing the lawn. Right. And even if you hate, like if you love mowing the lawn, if that's at your Zen time, cool. It was not. Mine was the allergies and I was blowing up and I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. And I've also found, like I heard uh, many people talk about it. Tim Ferriss had a podcast about decision fatigue. And I have also found, yeah, the more decisions and things I have to think about or do during the day, the worse I am with the stuff that matters. Which is the creation, the the creation and selling are the only two things I want to do. Creation, that, that se- selling, I and connecting. Say that I say creating products or creating your service and marketing or selling your product. Those are like the two things every entrepreneur should be doing right. all the time. One of the problems that a lot of entrepreneurs like us have is we're a little bit ADD. We we we're so interested in everything. We'll we'll procrastinate. Like I will procrastinate by starting like something else, <laughs> whether it's a new business, a project, 
or whatever. So because, hey, I've got a little free time. This is going well. I'm going to start something over here. And then that's what ends up derailing. That's that indigestion. Uh, I was reading somebody else saying that the best thing that an entrepreneur with that can do is procrastinate just with your, you know, it sounds so silly, but procrastinate with your, your hobbies and do that really, really um, intently because otherwise you will start other things that are going to require work. It's always a hobby in the very beginning. Oh, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this. This actually happened to me, right? So I was starting my podcast as a total side business to my normal consulting business. And then I would start to get derailed. In the beginning, I had the time. And then all of a sudden, it became responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. And I saw a little bit of that uh, turbulence in my life until I systematized things and hired the stuff out. But it was kind of funny, like to procrastinate in the things you really love to do. But you also mentioned something about uh, look at where you procrastinate. What do you love doing? Maybe that's maybe that's going to create an opportunity for you. Yeah, well, that that was you know that that came from the blog post where yeah. I kind of announced what was next for me and kind of the journey of discovering that. And you know, when I ask entrepreneurs, I've helped other people kind of because I've built so many companies. You know, people that have sold the company and they're in that position of what do I work on next? I always ask them like, well, what do you, what do you do when you procrastinate? Right? Like, what is that thing? Do you, do you play video games? Do you do you work out? Do you clean your house? Do you, I mean, it's crazy. My wife cleans her house, and I still find it ridiculous. Again, we have a cleaning lady, but she has the need, and that when she's cleaning, I know that there's something big going on at work that she doesn't want to tackle, yeah. and I don't. I stop calling her out on it because you know I got to choose my battles, but. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody has their own thing. And for me, I always found like I was, I was offering to help somebody else or take somebody out for, for coffee and talk to them or tweet out that I could be helpful and do some clarity calls or whatever it was. And, you know, I feel like that's sometimes a, a place where you can look to figure out what you should be doing full time. Because if it's, you know, if you can eventually get to a position where your, your, your life is, is built around that thing that you love, that thing that you default to procrastinate, I think that's when when true work is attached to intent and meaning, yeah. that it is just unstoppable, right? Like that your ability to create value in the world is uncapped because it's aligned with who you are at a, at a fundamental level. Right, so going forward and helping people and doing this again, because you, you were helping amazing entrepreneurs, you're doing this great stuff with Clarity. Now you've said that you don't want to start another software company or tech business, right? Because you know, we, uh, in the near future. In the near future, right? Yeah, it's say hey, you're brand new out of it. So I'm sure that there's a lot of headaches you don't want to deal yeah, with. I, I mean, the reason I say that is because I actually see a model for um, building online training courses and yeah. content and a lot of value for people and then monetizing it and then adding a software product onto it as a continuity product. Like, I, I've seen this as a trend, right? Yeah. When you see a lot of these guys, you know, uh, I think it's Nathan Barry from, uh, he has an authority product. He has uh, convertkit.com, mm -hmm. right? Or Laura Roeder had her influence courses, and now she has um, uh, Oscar, right, a social media management tool, and and uh, you just see this. So I, I think there's there's definitely a possibility within the next five years, as I build my audience, that there's going to be a problem that I have, that they might have as well, and I could solve that with software. So I don't want to say I'm never going to start another software company. Um, it may not be a traditional venture back like I've done for the last two companies. It would just be a hybrid of that. Right. So the model that you see going forward for you, at least right now, is it um, is it information products, uh, consulting, uh, public speaking? Is this kind of the uh, the model that you're foreseeing right now? I mean, I kind of drew a map. It's actually fun. I'll show it to your audience. It's, cool. It's hilarious. If you want to know what a, what a 
high-performance uh, entrepreneur does to build a business plan. It kind of looks like this. Yep, love it. Right, this scribbles. Uh-huh, I do that um, constantly. That's my, that's my world domination map. Um, and I mean, I don't know, like I'm new to this, right? So what I did is I just kind of uh, found people that were that had the brand, the execution, the business model to support. Because the thing with the, the business model, it's not about making money off people. It's really about just the opportunity to have more impact, right? The, the more value I create, the more revenue, then I can dive, kind of put that back into the marketing and just have a bigger audience. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty traditional. Like I found the model that feels really good is, you know, speaking not so much, definitely going to write a book, definitely going to have a lot of online courses, going to be very focused on um, kind of a vertical kind of topic areas. Mm -hmm. um, definitely want to do some seminars around those topic areas. Definitely want to have kind of an inner circle, higher end uh, group. You know, What are some of the thing. topic areas, that, not to interrupt, but what are some of the topic areas that you feel the most passionate? Because business is obviously extremely broad and you've yeah. got background with software, startups, et cetera. Is so, that so, kind so, of your so, ideal? Yeah. So it's kind of, I, the way I see it is kind of like, you know, you should always focus on a niche and then kind of expand. Mm -hmm. So I'd say for the next two years, it'll very much be around software and um, kind of innovative marketing approaches that are very unique to that world that can be applied broader in a yeah. broader sense. But, you know, I have uh, I have a bunch of content I've already blogged about, but I've never kind of formalized into training um, that I've been been calling idea to exit. Like, mm -hmm. how do you go from idea to, to build, you know, start, build and grow your company to a, some kind of outcome? And exit doesn't mean you know, raise money and sell, or uh, it just means build a business you could exit, right? So like, I've been fortunate to, uh, you know, every business I've built, if I didn't go to work or get up that day, the company continued to grow. I mean, Clarity yeah. continues to have record weeks, and I haven't been there in six months. Isn't that great? The team has built anything new, they're just migrating the data and the backend system. So, you know, I have a really uh, specific philosophy on how to build companies, what I call growth engines that continue mm -hmm. to grow on their own. Um, so it would be very much around that for the first two years and then broaden that out to more um, operational philosophies that I have around building companies and hiring and staffing and stuff. So uh, and then eventually uh, I want to get more into high performance, you know, like I really feel, uh, you know, my last company. I, so my wife started a company. I started a company. We had a kid. We had another kid 11 months later. We uh, built a house. And then when we had the second kid, we actually built a new house all in a two year period. Oh, wow. You were busy. together, happy, <laughs> love each other, kids are great. So I feel I have a lot of ideas around life lessons, especially with my background and kind of the craziness that uh, I went through growing up. Um, I've really had to grow from that and kind of learn what things do I want, kind of what patterns do I want to not repeat. Right. You know? so yeah. I have a lot of uh, some passions around that that I'd like to share. So, but that might be like, you know, four or five years down the road. So that's the general themes, I would say. And then, um, and then each one's going to follow a very specific model. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. I think people still don't understand the power of video. You know, I'm new to this, right? I just started four months ago, really building my weekly video submissions, right? Yeah. Four minute, five minute videos. And I've gotten over 60,000 views. I built my email list of 10,000 people and have hundreds of thousands of people visit my blog because of video. I'm building relationships with people all over the world. People that email me calling me their mentor that I've never talked to That's or amazing. exchanged emails with or met in person because of the power of video. And when, when you believe business is human or business is personal like I do, then if you're not online, if you're not creating video, then you're just missing this huge, I mean 40 Super Bowls worth of views happen every day on YouTube. I know, it's crazy. Right? every day and you can get in front of your target audience for two cents to six cents of view yeah. and 
targeted, never existed before. That's why like when I look at my plan and it's aggressive and there's a lot of work to do, I'm so excited because I know that as long as I produce the best quality content that I can possibly put together and really create a lot of value and results for people, the medium to get that message out there is unlimited. Yeah, it really is. Now, are you speaking about getting it out there? Now, you had, uh, you know, probably a decent Twitter following uh, at the moment, you know, when you, when I had you put this zero, out. I, had z- I didn't have a channel on YouTube. Okay. I had no fan page on Facebook. Cool. I had no email list. Okay, Which cool. Is well, the, considering I'm right, a marketer. Right, but this is perfect. This is exactly where I want to go. And I want to know when you got that out there, because this is really recent, so it's really top of mind. What did you do in order to get that initial um, burst of, of audience? I mean, were you running. There's no like, burst. That's what I'm saying. Every day I write. Yeah. But I mean, do, are you doing any like YouTube There's advertising, for instance? Yeah, are you actually, doing any of that? Yeah, no, I have a really. Um, I call it the authority engine. I don't know if somebody has that as a name. I yeah, actually somebody does, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I call it that because I like it, and yeah. it's the, you know I always think when I name things, I have to have a visual mental model for it so yeah. that I feel like it has a good position. Okay. You know, like idea to exit has this like really like I can see that or growth engine. So right. like it's visual or kind of I can connect to it. But the authority engine, the reason why I like that is because it applies to both you know, personal brands as well as business brands. Like when you become authority in your industry, you're the guy the newspaper turns to for quotes. You're the person asked to speak at the events. You're the person the competitors look to to copy. Yeah. Right? And that is a magical place to be in this world. So, okay, so you put out great content, the best you could do. You shared it with, yeah, consistent, great content. That's actually been one of the problems I've had on the show is every once in a while, it's typically a weekly show, but every once in a while I'll go like two or three weeks without content. And just because life gets in the way, but it always kind of drives me nuts. And I've, and I've seen the trends when I'm not consistent, it starts to flatten out or decrease. People want consistency. I Even know. if they're inconsistent, they you want, have to be. They want that beacon of consistency They in want life. to go away for two weeks on vacation and come back and know they got two shows to watch. You Bingo. know what I mean? That, like, and I guess if, if you ask me the big thing, here's, here's the number one thing. If you are in the online education space, I'm gonna give you the nugget that I've spent tens of thousands of dollars to figure out and hundreds if not thousands of hours of studying. And nobody told me this, I just started to see it and when I did it, it changed everything. Cool, that's what I like to hear, bring it on. I'm gonna teach you guys this and I, and I wasn't gonna, but you, you, you twisted my see, arm. See, I'm known for bringing this out. The power in teaching is creating a framework. Mm-hmm. So if you teach a topic, if you're out there talking about branding, marketing, if you have not designed a framework for somebody else, and here's how you know you've got it figured out, when that person, after hearing you once, can teach their friend or their colleague. Yeah. That's the test. That's true. Design a framework, name it, define it, teach it, then you know you're onto something. Yeah, where you really connected those dots too, because I understand the, you know, I call it like information architecture and framework and, and breaking down what you're doing into various milestones that you must pass in order to achieve X. Um, but I love the fact that you added so th- that they know it so well that they can teach somebody else because as they've said. The first time. See, even some frameworks, Brad, yeah. they're complicated as shit. Yeah, Right, they're like 17 modules, and they're because when you create them, you want to make it seem complicated because you want to kind of show off how smart you are. And what I'm I'm arguing is, design a simple framework. Right, you can talk about the three, you know, five P's of mark. There's so many. Just Google Google Images type framework, 
and it has to be able to be taught after they heard it once. Oh, great book, by the way. I highly recommend buying it. The micro, oh. the micro script rules. So it's about microscripts, uh, whether it's developing, you know, USPs or whatever. But the microscript rules, amazing book. And one of the quotes in there was, it's not what people remember. It's what they repeat. And it's very, very similar. That's, that's so it's my new soundbite, man. That's the one. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Exactly. Ten years from now, I'm going to be like John Asraf. You're going to be sitting next to me and saying, hey, remember when you said that? But I remember that. It's can you get them to repeat it? Because if they just remember it, like you said, with uh, Eckhart Tolle's stuff, that's one thing. But if they can go and tell their wife or their friends or whatever, oh, my God, I just learned how to do this. And all you need to do is X, Y, and Z. There's all this stuff that I've, I've started to piece together from, you know, just basic human um, learning and psychology that we can leverage to do these things. And when I started doing that, that's when everything took off from a content point of view and my audience started to build. Prior to that, I felt like people, they liked the content, but it wasn't differentiated. It wasn't truly creating value in their lives. And it wasn't something that they could feel like they could execute on. And when I changed that, if you look at my blog post now, there's like an image with drawings and, and I just use, I just use keynote. Yeah. So I just use keynote. Like it's not complicated. Right? right. But that's what I do. So when you go, when you sit down and you're starting to build a framework, how to do X, Y, Z, whatever, build a growth engine, how do to build authority. Yeah I, show you. yeah. I would love to see that because that's like, do you start with the end in mind? Do you start with, okay, well, what are the various, yeah. I, I just draw, I draw pictures. Okay. I just think of what I want to teach. So that one was around um, brands of distinction, mm -hmm. kind of like what makes up brands of distinction. It's like this kind of trinity. And then I did one today around um, growth stacking product marketing. Yeah. So like trying to design the, I had this, like I have an, I already have a process. See, the thing is, is like, I'm just trying to take all the things that I've done and say, okay, what's these functional units of, of action and activities that I could kind of create and I write them down and then I just say, what would that thing look like if it was a visual representation? So is it a triangle? Is it a circle? Is it a square? Is it uh, octagon? And then I try to figure out, does these things fit? And I'll do a bunch of iterations, right? Like I might do two or three different, I'll just use my pen and just draw out different yeah. things. And then I'll be like, oh, that looks good. That feels really good. And then I might share it with a friend on, on instant message and then get some feedback and then tweak it. And then I'll write the blog post. Right. Now, have you ever seen that book? It's a, it's a very illustrated book. I'm going to see if I have it right back here. Um, Business Model Generations. That's amazing. I love that book. However, there is a book and it's all about sell, like kind of selling or uh, drawing visually. It's really about how to represent all your ideas in a Can very, very visual me? way. Because I mean, I'm going deep on this. Yeah. I so, think this is everything. Yeah, I've got it somewhere and it's really, really good because you're reading it. It's like, okay, if you're trying to demonstrate this idea, draw figures like this. Don't do this. Use symbols like this. So it's, a, it's really how to, how to demonstrate your ideas like on the back of a napkin or, or what you're doing in a way that really, really resonate. Um, and the fact that you bring that up makes me want to go dig through and find it somewhere because it was that, that good. Um, dude, I love it. So the I mean, Brad, it is, I think it's everything. I think it's, yeah. If you're it, a service company, your methodology is your product. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So the, the framework is a to you a visual representation, but it's also breaking down the components in a way that it can be easily not only integrated and, and learned, but taught understood to somebody else. and taught. Like right. you said, it's not what I understand. It's what I repeat. If somebody's able to repeat, like, you know, yesterday I did some training at an event I was asked to speak at. And at the end of it, here's what I did to know if I nailed it. I, um, ask people to look at their notebooks yep. 
And when I looked at it, they totally drew the framework, which was great. Yep. And then I asked them, I took their notebook and I said, can you draw it again? Here's a piece of paper, draw it. That's and awesome. And they drew it. That's right? cool. And I was like, yes. Yep, that means it. I got it. You know, the... Um, I'm kind of famous among my friends for if I learn something new, let's say I read uh, an info product on a new business model, right? Um, I will go, I will grab them and for the next week or two, I will sit down and I will explain the entire business. I will teach it to them. And I know that subconsciously, I'm just excited about it and I want to share this. Brad, that's how I learned. That's how I learned. When I was a kid, I didn't read until I was 23. And what changed was I started asking myself, how would I read if I had to teach somebody else after I've done reading? You, I wrote about it in my blog post. What's next? Here's yeah. the things that I know to be true. I can't read unless I know I'm going to teach somebody else. Yep. And so there's all these things I discovered. One of them being I hate being on the beach every day, which sounds nuts, but yeah. you know, hey, crazy Canadians. Boring. Yeah, yeah, it does get boring. And to be able to do what I do now, right? Again, I'm mm-hmm. less than a week into it, but to be able to learn and create and model. And it just feels so fun. It's That's just so cool. yeah, that is really cool. But yeah, it's same thing. It's like when one person, what is it? When two, when one person teaches, two people learn, and it mm-hmm. is a great way, especially if you set people up. If you're doing this um, consciously as you're creating the courses, tell them learn this in a way so that you could go teach somebody else. Because at that almost that challenge makes me. Makes oh, me it want reframes to, their learning style. That's interesting. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, and just tell them, like, I'm going to teach this so that you're, you not only should be able to teach it, I want you to go teach somebody else because when you do that, it will integrate so much more. I know when I read a book, <clears throat> a book that I really like, my process is, so I love, like, I love Kindle. I've almost gotten rid of most of my books. I've had like a five times bigger bookshelf than this because of the ability to highlight in Kindle, right? And then go online and grab all those highlights and as a uh, as a document but then i'll take it another step further because i love mind mapping so i'll go to a mind map and i'll mind map a, whether it's an info product i bought a book or whatever i'll I, the last one i did this was a book by uh, roger hamilton called millionaire master plan it's a really an amazing That's a great book have you read great that book. yeah right it was a really neat framework and it got to the point where i could teach other people because i could sit down what would it be about and i would i would break it down because i mapped it out and so my friends will say, how do you know all this crap? Well, it's because I actually subconsciously do it. The, the you did more work. It's, it's kind of funny how like some people will just like attend a seminar or read a book, but they don't really internalize it or, you know, they don't highlight. I mean, obviously the Kindle highlights is fucking amazing. But even prior to that with real books, I would always write in the margins of the book, the page number and the quote that I really yeah. resonate Right? Yeah. It was my version of highlights before I got a Kindle. Yeah. And just that act of taking that moment to go back, write it out, put pen to paper, it allowed me to remember these things and kind of internalize it in a, in a more fundamental level. Exactly. And the problem with the books is I would do that and I would never go back to the book. And once it was all highlighted, I would almost never o- reopen it and flip through those highlights. I should, but I'll do those with Kindle. I'll go, I'll grab them and I'll, I'll play with them. I'll grab it on my phone when I'm procrastinating. I'll kind of go through my highlights, which I always really liked. But um, it's kind of cool that you remind me, like, this is stuff I subconsciously do. I don't even so really think about it. So I'll tell you what I do from a marketing point of view. Yeah. No, I was going to say as a marketing tip, what I do is I take my highlights and turn them into quote cards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you say as a marketing tip for other people for no, for my content. So like as you're reading books, there, you know, like Carol Dweck's book on growth mindset. I mean, it's a great book. It's full of great quotes. So afterwards I'll just go in and I'll produce a bunch of quote cards with all these, 
these one-liners from these authors and give them attribution, but that's what, what, why I do that is I because like that. it's, yeah, it's, it's who I am, right? It's that passage resonated with me and my job as a content creator is to process information that comes to me in the world and, and put it together in a way that people that are like me or follow my style will, will appreciate, right? Yep. You're and curating it. You're adding your own spin That's how to it. it is. That's, that's what trainers do. We learn a lot of stuff and then we kind of rejiggle it to make it look like no information is new. I no. don't have unique creative ideas. I'm just taking my interpretation of it and then sharing it with people in my sphere of influence kind of thing. And uh, that's how that's what I do with my highlights. One of my favorite books, because you just said that, I know this one's up here somewhere, but I just can't see it, but it's called Borrowing Brilliance. And Can uh, you send me those yeah. links to those books, Brad? Yep, I sure will. I'm just I just bought a microscript, so I got that one. Oh, nice. You bought it while we were talking? So click on Amazon to my Kindle. Yeah. So borrowing brilliance is a really cool way. He's like, look, yeah, there are no new ideas, but what's, I mean, no information or ideas, but what's new is with the combining of, of ideas and information. So um, when you're trying to solve a problem, borrow from all these other places, like here's how to do it. Here's a framework by which to do it. It's like a six step process to borrow brilliance, identify the problem, identify other blah, 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 put together some like what if scenarios, but it's a really cool book, and actually saying this makes me want to go back and reread it. And it's one of those physical books that I don't have all highlighted, so I actually have to go reread it. But um, exactly what you said, it's like, no, yeah, the information's out there. It's how you combine it and what you add to it. You know who does uh, two things that come to mind that do a great job of this? Jason Silva. Do you know who he is? Yes, Jason does those videos. Shots like, of awe, yeah. yeah. And what I, like, what I like about that is he's taking um, ideas and concepts that he's read out of books and he constantly gives attribution in the videos. He'll say, so like Neil deGrasse Tyson said, blah, 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 the universe is this, that, and the other. And what I think that means is this, that, and the other. And then what Ken Johnson over here said was this, and according to him, so he's taking things that have inspired him and he's adding his own unique spin and art form to it. Um, there was another book by Wayne Dyer. Do you know who Wayne is? Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Very few people don't. But one of my favorite books of his was called Wisdom of the Ages. And what he did is he took a, he took a book. He took 60 passages like from poetry, religious texts, quotes, you name it. And the book was designed to be read in 60 days. So he would put a quote by, let's say, uh, oh, I don't know, Buddha. And it would just be a little quote, and then he would give like a page or two of his viewpoints and his interp interpretation of that. And he just said, I want your goal is to read this passage, read my interpretation, and then write your own interpretation. And then the next day, do it again. And then he goes, take 60 days to read this. But it really is the same thing. Look, all the answers to all the questions of the universe or the world have been out there for a long time. Here's my collection and what I think. Challenge you to do the same thing. So along the same spirit... I love that of using your Kindle highlights as quote cards to just pull it up. Say, today I'm going to talk about this. I, I really believe the human condition is to teach people your interpretation of the world. Like that's, that's why we have language. It's why we have computers. It's why we have innovation. It's why we have education. Like our responsibility as humans, why we have kids, right? Yeah. Is to pass, on to pass along and teach. That's one of the things I do the, the show for here. This is a major outlet for me to meet and talk with people like yourself, but also to pass on the the content to other people because yeah the one person teaches two people learn so um damn man this has been uh this has been awesome is there anything else that you're doing right now any nuts that you're trying to crack in your own business like hmm i mean you got access obviously to 
probably all the expert advice you know, yeah, in the world. No, I mean, the truth is, is I'm new to this industry. So, I mean, obviously, if there's anybody watching that has a podcast, has a stage, has an audience, and, and they'd be open to introduce me to it, I, I obviously, if it makes sense, I'd love to do that. You know, I'm really trying to... to, to you know, my philosophy in business is really like put something out early and iterate as fast as possible. Yeah. So like I'm already in the studio working on my course. I'm going to launch the smallest version of that. I'm going to iterate. I'm going to learn. So really, if you, you know, subscribe to my blog at danmartel.com, uh, I put out really, I think, really great, uh, useful content every week. And um, and then just give me feedback because like I, I'm only going to learn from my audience teaching me because that's just the way I do it. So that's kind of the areas that I've been thinking about. Cool. So right now, if people wanted to, um, you know, exchange money with you for advice, are you doing a one-on-one consultation? Are you doing any group coaching? Are you just right now focused on getting the, uh, the digital version? Yeah. So my whole philosophy around this is I want to do things that are scalable. Right. Right. So, so that's why speaking to me doesn't make sense because I don't want to spend 200 days a year on a plane. Right. Um, the occasional so, speech once in a while here and there, once but not a month, as, not as yeah. a business model. Right. Yeah. Once a month, um, for the right audience where I feel like I'm really going to stretch and grow for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, so one-on-one doesn't work for me anymore. Uh, I am going to probably launch a group coaching program. I'm only going to offer that to people on my email list uh, probably within the next three to four weeks mm-hmm. and, uh, and really focus on software entrepreneurs that want to either start and build a company or have one and they're just not finding the traction they need. Um, and, uh, and then I should have my product launch timeframe around September okay. uh, is, is what kind of what I'm planning. And then I want to do a live event before the end of the year, so maybe November, um, you know, in San Diego. At hey. the, uh, yeah, yeah, back in San Diego, uh, bring you know some people together and just kind of uh, teach from the stage and, and get to connect people one on one because, you know, there's you know as much as technology is cool, it allows us to talk from different parts of the world. You know, we met in person. Yeah. Something happens where you connect with somebody that can't get replaced by Skype or you know. No, exactly. It is funny, especially in our world, tech world or marketing world or whatever. Um, I talk to, I have so many friends that all over the country, actually all over the world, now that I can't communicate with on Skype more than I do some friends in my own, you know, hometown. You know, when I look at like some of my most, re, like my favorites in my phone, most of them aren't even around here. You know, most of them are all over the place and you build these connections and it's amazing when you do have those events and you come in and you give them a big hug. It's like, man... Feels like I see you all the time, but it's uh, nothing like in person. No, there really isn't. I'm a big fan of that too. That's why I started my um, my mastermind, and occasionally I do more events, and I love it. I just you know can't get enough of it. But especially in this world where everything's digital and texting. Well, Dan, this has been uh, this has been awesome. I love the takeaways. There's been some really really good stuff, and you definitely uh, delivered some bacon wrapped. A value, especially with the framework stuff. That's really huge. And I think the audience should take that and really understand why that's so important and try to put some examples and links to your site where you're doing a really good job of this. If there's anything, Dan, that I can do, people to introduce you to, resources to bring you, if there's ever a you know question, obviously you can you know reach out to me and let me know. And send me those book recommendations, man. I'm gonna read them. Uh, I'm, I'm plugging through book every other day, so I, want, I need to to consume. No, absolutely. And then if um, if there's anybody watching this who also wants my help, I mean you can do this a couple ways. A, go to ask. Or just email askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com. Tell me your thoughts, insights, questions. What is your biggest challenge? What's that nut that you're trying to crack 
in your business. I'm happy to help, potentially feature you on a show if you're open to doing a hot seat. I've had a couple of hot seats where, um, actually I had somebody find me on Clarity this was great. And they wanted to uh, they wanted to ask me some questions about, I forget what it was, maybe about a um, landing page critique or something marketing related. And I said, yeah, by the way, would you would you mind if I record this and we you know, I can share it on my I can share it on my show, etc. He's like, yeah, by all means, that was kind of cool. So I got to use that connection not only to help him out, but I got paid to put content out of my show. I got the little double, um, you know, use it in two ways. So by the way, that's one of the ways that I help. If people want to pick my brain for free, I go, I don't do brain picking sessions, but if you're willing to do a hot seat, I'm happy to help you out. I'm I'm just going to tell the world about it. So that's the way I do it. I'm like, if you want to ask me a question, do it on my blog as a comment. Exactly. I'd rather answer publicly and help everybody else out. Exactly. Oh, speaking of that, one of the things I found in your in one of your blog comments before we go, because uh, I thought this was great. I wrote that down and I did this little search on Twitter for is there an app in quotes. This was so cool. So well, if I, I'll just repeat it. But you said go to Twitter, type in in quotes, is there an app? And then see what people are saying. Because you'll say, hey, is there an app for doing X, Y, Z? Is there an app for this? And you might just get that moment you of You can do that for any idea you have. Every right. idea. Like I think, you know, if you ever think like, oh, people must be looking for this. If they've never, if you can't find somebody that's ever tweeted in the history of Twitter, tapping into the social consciousness yeah. of the world, then you may not want to get into that business. Yeah, product validation. You know, there is a... Um, if you're very familiar with the t-shirt model, right? The Teespring t-shirt model where you come up with funny slogans yeah, or whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. So one of the strategies there being, you know, go into, quote, I need this shirt. Because people will post that. Like, oh my God, I need this shirt. And they'll take pictures and they'll tweet it out. You just might, that's how people do product research. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to make a note of that. I'm going to keep record. Anyway, wanted to leave with that little bacon wrap strategy. Uh, once more, guys, if you like the show, subscribe on YouTube, uh, YouTube if you're watching it there. If you're on iTunes, hit that little subscribe button and then leave me a review because this is the way that myself and my guests like Dan really understand that you know how much value that we're bringing to you for the cost of nothing except your time, which we greatly appreciate. But send me an email, ask Brad, bacon wrap business. Go check out Dan's stuff at Dan Martell with two L's, right? dot com subscribe to his newsletter i've already been reading and watching a lot of the stuff and if, as you can see or here on the show if you're um, paying attention dan knows how to deliver awesome value he's done a lot of cool stuff dan if there's anything else i can do for you just let me know and i look forward to hopefully seeing you back here in san diego brother see you soon brad i appreciate the opportunity and thanks everybody for watching thank you